Good morning, church family. Uh, great to be able to worship again together in our living rooms. And uh, I have the opportunity of sharing with you again from, from, uh, from the hub here, from our home in some way, uh, our second home. And um, it's good to be here still praying that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come and fill this place as we have been praying here pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, we pray in Holy Spirit, you come and fill this place. We're continuing to long that he would, uh, but it would spill out onto our, spill out onto the car park, spill out into the streets. And today as we, uh, this afternoon as we gather to worship, the Holy Spirit would just come and fill this place and continues to be the, the longing, the deep desire of our hearts. Um, hope you're well. Hope that you've, uh, hope you've had a good week. Hope you're encouraged and as, as things begin to ease slightly as we've had really good news this week uh, four days in a row with without any COVID deaths and um, it's awful and it's awful that there's those that are still sick but we we still want to acknowledge and celebrate the progress that has been made and yeah so um so let's 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 get into the word let's see what the Lord wants to to say to us today um He's always wanting to say something. So we've seen last week as we uh, talked about the burning bush. There's always these, there's always these burning bush moments. It just it it requires us to to stop and to pay attention and to lean in a bit closer and to listen to the voice of the Lord and to the revelation of the Lord. And uh, and so our prayer, my prayer again, is Father, let our hearts be open, let our minds be open um, to what you would want to say to us today as a church family um, so I pray that you'll be incredibly present with us in our homes wherever we are whether we're on our own whether we're with our families whether we're with our friends we pray that you would be incredibly close in Jesus name yeah so the last couple of times I that I've spoke I've been I've brought you to the wilderness uh, we've we've looked at the the encounters in the wilderness of Jesus and of Moses. Uh, this morning, I want us uh, to go a bit higher. I want us to see, to take a look at a couple of encounters on the mountain. Um, and uh, Jesus and Moses will feature again uh, this this week. Uh, I've been back, just um, delving once again into the book of Acts. Uh, just longing and believing for what we see in the book of Acts, the, the, how the early church was, was formed, what it devoted itself to, that, that once again we would be brought back to that same place and, and that maybe we would see the same, the same fruit, the same signs and wonders, the same uh, revival and renewal breaking out all across uh, cities and regions across the world. And um, we're believing longing for that but in Acts 1 verse Acts chapter 1 verse 15 we see that there's this group of 120 people that were still part they're still part of the group of believers by this stage I'm sure many had fallen away through disappointment through disillusionment just this is not what they thought it was going to be they followed Jesus for so long and and he 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 wasn't who they thought he was and um but there were still 120. There were still 120 were in this room praying, waiting, waiting for the gift that the Father had promised. And so 120 
of a group were still still there, still believing. Um, and, and so throughout the Gospels, uh, throughout the Gospels, we see that um, Jesus had a had a smaller group of twelve that uh, that followed him and learnt his ways, watched what he was doing, watched how he prayed, watched how he loved, watched how he served. But then there was another, uh, an even an even more closer group, a closer group of friends. Uh, inner circle some have called I prefer I prefer a, a closer group of friends he had the, the three he had Peter and the sons of Zebedee Peter James and John the three that oftentimes we see Jesus uh, bringing them away on their own and uh, and that's what we're going to we're going to look at those that's the, the, the two places with the, with the same group of people that we're going to look at this morning and the encounters that they had on the mountain Twice we're told in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 22 where Peter, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him up on the mountain to pray. And so I want us to go first of all to Luke 22. I'm going to do it back to front. Luke 22 uh, is the first mountain that I want us to, to go up, that I want to see if there's a lesson that we can learn. Uh, on the Mount of Olives, um, this moment takes place just before Jesus is arrested. It goes through the this brutal crucifixion. It's just before he, he was re- arrested. And I'm looking in Luke's. I'm looking in Luke's gospel. I want us to read. I want us to read here. It's actually Matthew's gospel that tells us that it was Peter, James, and John that went up the mountain with Jesus uh, at this moment Luke Luke's account actually tells us that it was um, all of the, the disciples that followed him but anyway let me read from Luke 22 verses 39 to 46 Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him on reaching the place he said to them pray that you will not fall into temptation And then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. And the angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow why are you sleeping he asked get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation see Jesus wanted them to stay awake not just to not just to complete their one hour devotional time not not just because it was their 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 religious duty Jesus wanted them to stay awake because he he had something that he wanted to teach them he was something there was that he wanted to model how to pray. I believe he wanted to model, show them how to pray in times of great difficulty and in times of emotional turmoil. See, we are familiar. I think we some of us will be familiar with this, with this portion of scripture because it's where we, we we are we're told of Jesus being in such emotional turmoil, in such anguish that he sweat drops of blood but I think we can we can fail to realize that 
Jesus was wanting to teach them something. He was wanting to teach them how to pray. I think he was wanting to model to them how to pray in times of great difficulty, of great anguish and emotional turmoil. And so he says to them, he says to them at the beginning and he says to them then at, at, at the end, stay awake and watch. Or you're going to fall into temptation. You're going to miss the, you're going to miss the learning here. You're going to give in to temptation. He wanted to, they wanted to be taught, like we've, we see that in Luke chapter 11, they wanted to be taught how to pray. And they've watched Jesus as, as he's prayed and he has had this, he's revealed how to respond to the voice of the Father and how that's caused him to reorientate and reprioritize everything that he's about and everything that he does. And the disciples watch on and they want to be taught how do we pray like that? How do we experience that level of relationship with Father God? And they're still, they're still needing to be taught how to pray. And Jesus is wanting to teach them how to pray. Again, he's wanting to show them another lesson. He's saying, here's another lesson. Don't fall asleep. Stay awake. Watch. And he finds them exhausted. And I'd never seen this before. Never seen this line before. He found them asleep because they were exhausted from sorrow. And as I read that verse a couple of days ago, I, I, it just became that verse that I wanted to be able to, to share and to, and to speak into for a couple of minutes. They were exhausted from sorrow. They found themselves asleep, exhausted from sorrow. They fell asleep because of sorrow, because of disappointment, because of they were so confused, because they're so filled with anxiety and, and uncertainty. Don't know all that was taking place in their in their minds, but I think that maybe for some of us we have found ourselves in this exact moment. Maybe over the last 12, 13 weeks, however long it's been, you find yourself just at night times, maybe falling asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Exhausted because you don't know what's what's coming next, because you don't know what's round the corner. And Jesus was Jesus aware of where the disciples were at, aware of what was going on. He wanted them to stay awake so that he could teach them, he could model something to them and how to pray in these moments. Ronald Rollheiser says this, What the disciples were supposed to see and grasp in the Garden of Gethsemane was the intrinsic connection between suffering and transformation. And the necessity in that process of being willing to carry tension, disappointment and unfairness without giving in to despair, bitterness and the urge to give back in kind. I find that incredibly deep and beautiful. Like Jesus is wanting them to see and to grasp that there is a connection between suffering and transformation. He's wanting them to see that there is a process of being willing, willing to carry the tension of disappointment and unfairness without giving in to despair and bitterness. That's what he was wanting to teach and reveal, have his disciples see and to grasp. And maybe we could, we could see and grasp this today. Because I, I would hate it for myself, I would hate it for anybody that I know and love, I would hate it for any of you to, be, to find yourself unwilling to carry the tension of the disappointment and the unfairness 
that would possibly lead, like make way for despair and for bitterness. There's a way to carry the tension without giving in to despair. We fall asleep in sorrow when we feel so weak. I, th- I think we fall asleep in sorrow when we feel overwhelmed maybe by God's seeming distance or his seeming silence. We fall asleep in sorrow when we despair before the darkness and the chaos that is around us. And it's not only been with COVID, it's been with many other things that have dominated our our news headlines over the last weeks and months. We can fall asleep in sorrow because we get we get overwhelmed. We 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 despair before the darkness and the chaos. We can fall asleep in sorrow because we can almost believe that Christ is no longer Lord of the world. I find them exhausted from sorrow. It's like stay awake, stay awake and watch. Don't fall into the temptation. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to bitterness. And so the lesson that he wanted to teach them was I think the lesson that we can learn from the words of Jesus, from what Jesus models here. Stay awake, guys. Stay awake and watch how Jesus models submission. Father, let this let this cup pass from me. This is so painful. This is I'm in such anguish here. Emotionally draining. Yet not my will but yours be done. How he models submission in his in his prayer, in his cry before the Father. And that's what maybe he would want to model for us today. God, this is really painful. The the effect of this is having on me emotionally, psychologically. But to get to that place, yet not my will, but yours be done. I'm submitting myself to your wisdom. I'm submitting myself to your ways. I'm submitting myself to the revelation of what all else is going on. I know that you love me. I know that you're for me. I know that you will work all things together for my good. And what seems like silence, what seems like distance, what seems like chaos and, and darkness running amok, I choose to believe that you're Lord. I know that you're Lord. I know that your kingdom is at hand. And I want to submit myself to all of that once again. Submit myself to that again, not my will. Not my agenda, not what I think should be done, but your will be done. So he models for them submission and he models for them perseverance. It's an incredible line in verse 44. And being in anguish. And I don't, if you're anything like me, when you're in moments of anguish or moments of pain or turmoil, the temptation that Jesus was worried that the disciples were going to fall into was to retreat, was to walk away, was to bitterly complain, was to become angry. 
But the response of Jesus was to persevere. In his anguish, he lent in even further. When, his, when he was in anguish, he prayed more passionately. When he was in anguish, we're told he prayed more earnestly. He didn't relent. He didn't give up. He persevered. And that's what he wanted to model to the disciples on the mountain that day. They had fallen asleep because of sorrow. But Jesus wanted to model that there was another way to respond. There was another way to stay fully awake. And even though the circumstances actually ended up getting worse, Jesus was still modeling to them submission and perseverance. Something, maybe, maybe if some of us find ourselves up the, this mountain, find ourselves being able to relate to this mountain. But I want us, all, I want us to take a look at the experience the, known as the, it's the, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. And it's uh, Luke chapter 9. We're going, we're going back in time here. We're going back to another mountain. Luke chapter 9. And once again, it's Peter, James and John. And I think again, he's taken Peter, James and John up the mountain to pray, as we're told in verse 28. And he's another lesson that he wants to teach them. We're told in uh, verse 32, Peter and James and John were very sleepy. And so maybe in some strange way we can feel encouraged by the story of the disciples this morning because you are not alone. I am glad that I am not alone when it comes to falling asleep in prayer. And we, there's times we, we have great intentions and we make our way up the mountain, we make our way to the quiet place and, and, uh, and we're with Jesus and, and yet we still find ourselves becoming sleepy. We still find ourselves falling asleep. We are in, uh, we are in good company. It has happened before and it will happen again. But the verse goes on. I love that um, verse 32. I love the story here. Peter and his companions were told uh, were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. When they became fully awake, they saw the glory of Jesus. Um, I don't know whether it's a translation or it was just somebody reflecting on this uh, on this verse, but they said that the, sh- the disciples were utterly shocked into full alertness by the manifestation of the glory of Jesus. Not beautiful. Utterly shocked into full alertness by the manifestation of the glory of Jesus. And I find myself just as I as like as I just read on that read over that line again and again, I just find myself like really desperate to, for that to happen to us as followers of Jesus, as the church, as the body, as the bride of Jesus, that we would be shocked into full alertness. Uh, by the manifestation of the glory of Jesus. But this story, it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. Like, like we could spend longer, like we could, really could spend longer looking at the, the fullness of what's going on here, of what Jesus is teaching. But Moses and Elijah appear on the scene. And Peter's immediate response is that he wants to make three shelters. He wants to put up three shelters. One for Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah. But there's a lesson that he is going to be taught here. There's a lesson that 
that, that Jesus is going to be a part of teaching them. And while Peter was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them and then they were afraid. And as they entered the cloud, a voice came from the cloud saying, verse 35 of Luke 9, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, listen to this, they found that Jesus was alone. They found that Jesus was alone. That's why I love what Brian Zahn says, uh, says about this moment, is that, that Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is what God has to say. And that's what they heard. That's, what the, that's the lesson. That's what, the, that's what Jesus, I think, brought them up the mountain to teach them. See, Peter wanted to, Peter wanted to make a shelter to, for Moses and Elijah, representing the Old Testament, representing the law and the prophets, and one also for Jesus. But the voice comes, the voice comes from the cloud, the voice of God comes from the cloud and says, this is my son, listen to him. And when the cloud disappears, it's just Jesus standing there alone. See, it's on the, this. it's on this, and again, I think it was Brian Zahn said it, it's on this mount where the Old Testament hands the project of redemption and restoration over to Jesus. What Moses and Elijah had begun, Jesus would fulfill. And, and, uh, and it's on the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it, where Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill it. And that's, that's what's happening here. Moses and Elijah, it's like they're handing over, like they, they disappear they're handing over the restoration and the redemption, uh, the project of redemption and restoration over to Jesus, over to Jesus to fulfill. And the cloud envelops them and then it's Jesus just alone. And this is, it seems really simple, but it really is all about Jesus. Jesus was there standing alone. It's all about him. And I love how Paul puts it in Colossians chapter one. He says that everything was created by him and it was created for him and in him all things hold together. All of God's fullness dwelt in Jesus, all of it. And God was pleased with that. He was pleased that all of his fullness would dwell in him and through him to reconcile to God, reconcile to himself all things. It really is all about Jesus and that's what the disciples were brought up the mountain to be taught, to be, uh, to be, for them to have this moment of revelation. And they had it, and, they, and, and it takes them a while. Like we still see, we still see them. Peter putting his foot in it. We still see, like we still see James and John, don't we? Like approaching Jesus and saying, "Like, can we sit in your left and your right?" They're still not fully grasping it. The Spirit of the Lord comes on the day of Pentecost, and and, uh, and they're, they're getting there. But still, Peter still needs a, uh, Peter still needs a moment uh, in Acts chapter 9 where he has again this revelation of the Lord, this need for ongoing revelation that continues to bring us back to Jesus, to bring us back to, to him, to his ways, to his heart, to, to what he has modeled, to what he has, uh, the practices that he has laid out for us, the pace that he has laid out for us, the presentness, 
that he has laid out for us. And so let me wrap this up by, uh, as I continue to have uh, spent the last couple of weeks just again reflecting on that verse, uh, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw the glory of Jesus. And, 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 that's, and I just wrestled with this personally. I've just, I've just become so aware. And, and, uh, and as we, we encourage you to on Wednesday, that uh, you continue to intercede, you continue to pray for all of the things that we've been praying about, but that you would allow a moment for consecration. You would allow a moment for, to, to sit under the gaze of the Lord and say, God, would you search me and know me and see if there is any hidden way in me and bring me back to your glorious everlasting path, the path that brings me back to you, the path that reminds me that it's all about you. And I feel that I am and I feel that in some ways the church uh, has been maybe guilty of sleepiness, of being a bit sleepy. That was, that was what I was wrestling through even personally on Wednesday. God, you for, would you forgive me for my passivity in prayer? Would you forgive me for my indifference to injustice? Would you cause me to, to, be, to come fully awake? God, forgive me for my sleepiness. Maybe at times exhausted from sorrow, exhausted from disappointment, exhausted from the uncertainty. But God, I'm, 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 wanting, to, I'm wanting to have this transfiguration experience where uh, I recognize that it's all about you, that you are working all things together. All things are held together in you. You are reconciling all things to yourself. There's this desperation, there's this cry in my heart to, that, that I need to, that we need to, as a church family and as, and as the wider church, to come fully awake. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. We will see the glory as we come fully awake. Wake up. Wake up from your sleep. As Peter did. As, as, as Paul clearly did. Wake up and, uh, and as you rise from your sleepiness. Christ will shine his light on you. I've, I've, uh, like I said, when it comes to music, my, like, my playlist is so limited. Uh, so for weeks and weeks it was pretty much the blessing on repeat and for the last uh, I think for the last week or so I've just continued to have that song I, I wasn't even a, I don't even think I heard it before but it was CFC coming right from our own land um, we need an awakening we need an awakening and uh, I'd encourage you and maybe I'll do it. Maybe somebody will will share it on our on our group when we're finished here. But I love it. It, it, it again. It just has. I've just been using it to, to stir my soul this week. And uh, the the line is: We need an awakening. Hearts set on fire for the King, fully awake, beholding the glory of Jesus. That's not what it says. 
going off in one. This is the line we need an awakening, heart set on fire for the king. Another, and it goes on, we've, we've seen you move, so we pray, do it again. Rise up, O oh Lord. We've seen you move, so we pray, would you do it again? And we, like I, I really don't want to go back hundreds of years for the last time we've seen an awakening. The first great awakening as it's, as it's uh, known as took place in the 18th century. And it sparked revivals, it sparked renewal right across Britain and America. And so we're praying, I'm praying, God, would you do it again? I don't, don't, don't have to look back two or three hundred years. I want to see it now. I want to believe for it now. I want to be able to awaken from my sleep and become fully awake and behold the glory of Jesus. I see his glory and his rule uh, just manifest itself across our towns and cities, across our nations. So come awake, no longer passive in prayer, no longer indifferent to injustice, but alert to the glory of Jesus. And so Ephesians 5, the, the verses go on to say, I'd encourage you to go and look at them. I think they, they, they give us an idea of how to stay awake. 5 verse 14, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. But then Paul goes on to say, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. I think there's that we want to be really wise in how we live right now. We always want to be wise in how we live, but we want to be responsible with what has been entrusted to us. We want to be responsible with the revelation that has been given to us. So be careful how you live. Be really wise and responsible with what's been entrusted and what's been revealed. He goes on to say that... Um, Make the most of every opportunity. That's how we're going to stay awake. Making the most of every opportunity. There is opportunity for us. In bucket loads if we'd only pay attention. If we'd only draw a bit closer and see and listen. We listen to the, the cries, the heart cries of our family and our neighbours and our communities. And our, and our cities and the sectors that make up our communities. If we would lean in a bit closer. We are able to make the most of every opportunity. It says be filled with the Spirit. That is certainly going to keep us awake. And then verse 21, I just even throw that in. Like be, submit yourselves to one another. Submit yourselves to one another. We need one another. We need one another as we continue to, to journey through these days together. We, we need one another. And so those four things that, that, that Paul speaks after uh, he calls us to awake. To awake from our sleep, come fully alive, come fully alert. And you're going to stay alert. You're going to stay alert by being careful how you live. By making the most of every opportunity. Being filled with the Spirit and submitting yourself to one another. So Father, I pray that you would give us, uh, give us hearts that are fully awake, fully alert. God, I pray that you would utterly, that we would be utterly shocked into alertness 
to the manifestation of the glory of Jesus. God, I pray you would forgive me. God, I continue to ask that there would just be a spirit of confession and repentance that would be on uh, that would be on your people, God, as we come before you with these hearts of submission and surrender. And determine, God, that we're going to persevere in prayer. So God, whatever, wherever mountain we find ourselves up, <laughs> I, I pray, God, that you would just meet with us. You would meet with us. You would speak hope and comfort into our hearts and into our homes today. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Uh, it would be great to see you later on this afternoon praying, hoping that the weather stays good and, uh, and we get a chance to fully lift up the name of Jesus over this place today. We'll talk soon. Have a good day. Bye.